You are listening to the Fancy Free Podcast, where my guests and I tell our most embarrassing, funny stories so that we all feel less alone in our imperfections and forge connection through vulnerability and humor. I'm Joanne Jarrett, and I'm your host. And today I have with me Micah Larson. Micah is a full-time mama, a part-time professor and entrepreneur. She teaches women business owners exactly what to say to get booked out and sold out so they can pay their bills. She's been called too outspoken for a woman, man-eater, and hell bitch, but she prefers assertive. Micah, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me, Joanne. Absolutely. Fill in the blanks. What did I miss about who you are and what you do? Oh, boy. I am a Montana toddler mama, which means that I spend most (laughs) of my time outside four seasons of the year chasing my one-year-old around right now. Oh, my gosh. My background is in social science. So I'm actually a trained social scientist and I published research on persuasion. So that was kind of my first love, if you will. I'm married. My husband, Eric, works in medicine. And so this has been a very interesting time Uh, for us during COVID. I'm sure you can imagine it's a lot of time spent apart. We have a one and a half year old named Wilder. Tell me about how you came to be a part-time professor. Yeah. I went into academia because I love people and their brains. Since I came out of the womb, my parents would say that I asked why about everything. Why, 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 why? Which now I'm starting to understand as a mom myself. So I found that social science was the key to why people do what they do. And I fell in love with the idea of studying people's brains and how we form relationships. And in that world of communication research, there's this little tiny niche of research called social influence or persuasion. And so it's basically the science of how we get people to say yes to things. And within that, I researched health communication. So basically, how we get people to say yes to like wear seatbelts or donate their organs or in my case, have safe sex. So like use a condom. And that was a really interesting topic to study. Oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. Yeah. I think I missed my calling. (laughs) I listened to several podcasts that are along this line, Hidden Brain and Invisibilia. And I like Revisionist History with Malcolm Gladwell, even though I know that he's more of an observer and he's not as much of a scientist. But I just find Anybody who thinks about humans and what they do and how their brains work in a different way or a a unique and new way, I'm so fascinated with like, I just can't even get enough of it. So I love this. I'm eating this up. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Hidden brain is exactly my realm of study. I love it. And I actually wrote a blog post about one of his episodes about tunnel vision. I almost felt like it unlocked a part of my understanding about other people that was missing about how people can make such terrible decisions because they're under duress. And there's a whole episode, I think, actually, on safe sex and your rational decision making and your thought process when you're sitting in your office chair drinking a cup of coffee, talking to a girlfriend, like, well, of course, I would never put myself in in harm's way. But then when you're under the influence of infatuation and the moment, somehow suddenly our brains make different types of decisions. Yeah. But that that episode about tunnel vision, I think there's so much more there. I think he just kind of grazed the tip of the iceberg on why people make unexpected, unpredicted decisions and why people kind of dig themselves into a deeper hole when all of the outside observers are going, wait, why don't you just stop doing this and start doing this? But because they're already 
in that hole. They just can't, you know? Yeah. We get super married to our convictions. And so our brains are really uncomfortable with information that goes against our beliefs. So we end up seeking out and believing information that even if it's not really good information, as long as it Mm -hmm. supports our previously held beliefs, we just kind of roll with it. I haven't heard the tunnel vision episode, but that sounds exactly like the type of research that I was doing, which kind of explains like people who believe that COVID is a really scary disease will continue to believe that more and more staunchly. Yeah, they will reject data to the contrary, and they will collect data to the consistent. Exactly. That is exactly the same thing we do with politics and so many things. All right, well, let's do your rapid fire questions. If you had to describe yourself in one word, what would it be? Bold. Awesome. What is your Enneagram number? I'm an achiever, which I think is a three with an individualist wing. So I'm an achiever individualist. Yes. Okay. So three wing four. Bold. Yeah, baby. I love it. (laughs) What is something unexpected that has changed about you in the past few years? So I became a mother, which was unexpected because I didn't know if I wanted to have children, but I became a mother in a very unexpected way, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to hear more about that. Wow. Becoming a mother is like earth shattering and paradigm shifting and (laughs) eye opening and exhausting. What's the scariest thing you've ever done for fun? Moved to Africa. Wow. (laughs) You did it for fun. And when was that? 12 years ago. I was in college. Amazing. And Africa is a big continent. Where were you in Africa? Yes. I was in Ghana, which is like in the armpit kind of area of the West Coast. So we're kind of curves. That's such a good description. I could totally yeah. picture it. I'm like right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the coast. Well, as you know, the point of this podcast is to tell our most embarrassing, funny stories so that everyone realizes that they're not alone. They're not the only fool in the room and that nobody's as fancy as they look. So what have you got for us today? spill some of your not so fancy moments. Oh my gosh. I loved that premise because I have always seen myself as a foot and mouth person (laughs) because I just have a lot of ideas. And in the last few years have been told that I'm like a take no prisoners person. And my (laughs) superior at the university, my department chair is like, you don't mince words. It can be good or bad. (laughs) Yeah. As far as embarrassing stories. So I wrote a blog post when I was a new mom about how I lactated on a Target employee because I... (laughs) Yeah. um, So becoming a new mom, here's the thing. You think as a woman, oh, abstractly, someday I'm going to have children, maybe, maybe not. But like, you just go through life assuming your body will be able to do it. Like when and if you decide you want to have kids, right? (laughs) So that's your default assumption. For a lot of women, that's just not how it goes. Like, not every woman's body decides that it wants to make a baby or make a baby in the way that it's supposed to, or that your boobs just don't fall in line when they're supposed to, like, do their job. (laughs) Yes. Mine were just, like, freaking rebels, and I was a revolving door of ER visits with mastitis several times, and it was kind of a mess. Like, I tried to punch a nurse because I was totally (laughs) encephalopathic. Wow. I was, like 
butt ass naked under my bathrobe trying to punch a nurse at the hospital where my husband works. It was like a freaking disaster. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. And that didn't even make the list. It didn't, I didn't even make the list. Yeah, see, that's how bad my list is. I swear. Um, I love it. Yeah. But I don't love that. That sounds awful. I had mass status a few times too, and it was miserable. It's but it sounds like miserable. you had it really bad. Oh, yeah. So I had a subclinical mastitis, which was like your body gets incredibly and your brain gets infected before your boobs even start to hurt, which is like a, mm. I didn't even know that was possible, honestly. And so before I had Wilder, I was in the hospital for more than a month because I had preeclampsia. Oh my gosh. So when I'm talking about like your body just doesn't make a baby the way it's supposed to, like preeclampsia is basically your body starts to reject your placenta. Like it was yeah. a donated organ, but your body's like, um, there's still a baby in here. So we kind of have to like wait till the baby's cooked and your body is like, hell no, just get it out. And so yes, it was a, kind of a disaster. But anyway, that was an amazing life-changing experience being in the hospital and like my son was in the NICU. So oh, then my husband my like gosh. didn't get paternity leave and he went back to work. So oh. I kind of became a mom by myself, which is incredible, not complaining. Wilder and I are super close because I am a professor and an entrepreneur and I work full time. I do have a nanny. Thank God. I would die without her. JC, if you're listening, I will pay you anything that you want. Shout like. out. To <laughs> <Jason>. <laughs> okay. So you're a new mom. Your boobs don't work the way you're supposed to. You don't know. First of all, I was going to a wedding and my son was three months old. So I was like, this body does not fit in any clothes that oh, I own like anymore. Tell right? About it. Yeah. Know. Right, Joanne? Oh. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? It's like- Yeah. You, you think, okay, I gained 30 pounds during my pregnancy or 25 or whatever. Or in my case, it's more like 45. <laughs> Food is so delicious, right? <laughs> Give me the, all the food. I'm really long-waisted, so I never even got full. I was like, yes. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? And then you have the the seven-pound baby, and you pop out the two-pound placenta and the two pounds of amniotic fluid, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't add up. What? Where did this body come from? <laughs> yeah. I've always been like an A cup. And I worked at Victoria's Secret, so like I know about this stuff. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, I was like, where did these Ds come from after I had a baby? <laughs> Footballs on your chest. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> I had this condition where Every time my milk let down, I got super anxious and I had like a flush of hormones and I started to gag and like have a gag reflex. So like, yeah, my body was not made to have children. Your body was betraying you around every corner. (laughs) But that's like the things that I think are important to talk about because these things probably happen to a lot of other women. I just had never heard of them before. Totally. But so, okay. I was at Target with my three month old. This is my first time like taking him out. And I was like, how do you take a baby in a dressing room with a cart? Mm-hmm. That's a challenge. <laughs> and so I found the two things on the rack that I thought would fit me to the summer wedding in Missouri where it's like 1,000 degrees oh, and you have mm-hmm. to breastfeed. So I was like, how do I get a thing where you pull the boob part aside and what's not going to stain with milk? Because these are all things that you never had to think about before when you're like a cute little 20-year-old who's never had a baby. Uh Um, So I get in the dressing room and this poor woman who was the attendant of the dressing room saw obviously this chick is struggling. So she was super sweet and was like, knocked on the door. She's like, do you need any help? Because Wilder was in there screaming his ever-loving head off. And I'm stuck inside the zipper of this silk halter top jumper. And I, because I didn't know what size I was. He starts screaming. You know what happens when your baby starts screaming is your milk lets down. I am spraying the out of this. I'm a sprinkler (laughs) system. Just dousing the inside of this Target dressing room. I open the door. I don't know why I opened the door. I sprayed the 
out of this woman <laughs> and gagging. Oh my gosh, I can't even. What's that dance move? Is it called the sprinkler? Wouldn't yeah. it have been hilarious if you had done that? <laughs> I wish I had. It might have staunched the flow a little bit. Like it was just so horrific. And, and you're gagging. Oh my. Now that's a new one on me. I did have a girlfriend when I was in medical school who had a baby and she said, Oh, it's going to be easy for me to lose the weight because I get nauseous every time I let down. And I was like, what? I've <gasps> never heard of that before. Um, I've never heard of anyone else having it. My OB told me that it might be because of all the hormones and everything. So thank you for saying that because now I don't feel yeah. like I'm the only freak. You're definitely not an oddball. There's just so many things about having a baby that your body's like, oh, I can do this. Did you know that? Like I can just become a fountain in the middle of Target dressing room. So I was just spraying, like I had to buy all the clothes that were in there, if they fit me or not, because they were just completely like, they smelled like whole milk. It was just a, a disaster. I hope, I think that woman had children because she just felt so bad for me. Her eyes were so big. She was like, I smell like a dairy farm now because this woman just fire hosed me. me. It was bad. I couldn't show my face in there. Okay. So the next time I went to Target, Joanne, a man came up to me and he was a, a pilot in his pilot's uniform in the middle of Target, came up and tapped me on the shoulder. There I was with Wilder again. Uh, you know, like sleep deprived, not knowing even what was going on. And it was kind of a weird experience because I was like, first of all, why is there a pilot in Target? Super good looking, of course. And he whispers in my ear, the back of your pants is split. And I was like, <gasps> what? Right now. Um, and I just like didn't know because I was like so tired that the whole back of my pants was split and I was wearing a thong, of course, and just like my ass was showing in Target. Um, oh, no. So I just immediately bought like the first leggings I saw from like the teenager section. I still do go to that Target because I have no shame. Well, it's the only Target yeah. we have, right? We have no That's options true. here in Missoula. That's right. <laughs> You can't live without it. So no, curbside pickup, though. There are some good things that have come out of this pandemic. and Very few, but curbside pickup's one of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a germaphobe anyway, which made it even weirder to be spraying breast milk all over the state of Montana. But yeah, curbside pickup for the win. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty mild. One of my embarrassing stories. I'm not really even that embarrassed about it because I don't have that much shame. It was just a new experience that I was like, notable. I'm going to remember this one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one goes down in history. Mm-hmm. You're cracking me up. I love this. Oh, and here's something else I wanted to say too. So I've delivered like 200 or 300 babies. I lost count because I was in medical school and I've trained as a family physician and we do that. Yes. And when I had my babies, things happened to my body that I was not prepared for. No clue. I had done all the prenatal care. I had delivered all the babies and my body still did things that I was like, what? is happening to me right now. For instance, I thought if I didn't tear, I wouldn't have any pain. Mm. I didn't tear when my babies came out because, I don't know, I'm I'm a baby machine, I guess. But still, after that first baby, I was like, oh my my God, I can't move. (laughs) Okay, it hurts so bad. What happened? (laughs) And then then I couldn't pee. They had to calf me both (gasps) times. That I was like, I'd never heard of that happening to anybody. They're like, oh, you'll be fine. Just wait a few minutes. And I'm like, I am exploding. And I had over a liter of urine in my bladder. And it's so, it's so bonkers. So I just wanted to tell you, even people who think they're totally and completely prepared. And I was 31. I was 31 when I had my first baby. So I really thought I was ready. And I was so not ready. So not ready for so many things. And the other thing I want to say is, what does your husband do? Because I'm in I'm the medical field too, so I'm curious about that. First, thank you so much for saying that because <laughs> that needs to be a billboard, honestly. That like our body is a miracle, but it's a very confusing one. And 
it doesn't come with the user manual. Totally. <laughs> so Eric is a trained family physician as well. Oh, really? Yeah. He was on the OB track too. And then he actually decided that he wanted to work in hospital medicine. So now he's the chief hospitalist at community here in Missoula. God bless him. Yeah. So he runs basically the ICU and the medical surgical floor. So anybody oh who's gosh. admitted to the hospital is under his care and his team. Now his job is a lot of it looks like keeping people from getting COVID or treating people with COVID. Uh-huh. Oh, gosh. He has an incredible job where he helps people die with dignity and saves people. And it's not what we thought he would end up doing like when he was in medical school, but that's kind of how it is. You find your path, you know. That's life, man. You know how it is. Yeah, totally. If you'd have told me, okay, I was going to work the entire time I was raising my kids and then I just didn't because, Mm -hmm. you know, your life takes a left or right turn and you just go with it. But if you'd have told me five years ago that I was going to be on my belly on beach towels underneath my chicken coop... (laughs) extracting the eggs that my chickens have laid under there. And also I'm a dental assistant because my husband's an endodontist and we have this traveling root canal practice. We do root canals in the rural areas so that people don't have to travel into Missoula. And he's like, how am I going to hire somebody to be my assistant? I don't know where we're going, when we're going and blah, blah, blah. He's like, babe, you're going to have to do it. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Well, now I do. (laughs) I mean, Um, life is so bonkers. And Because you train entrepreneurs, I think this is kind of fun too. I designed a line of women's loungewear. It's being manufactured right now. It'll probably be available in November. Oh my gosh, so much fun. So speaking of boobs, I love a good cozy outfit. When I come home, it's like a psychological thing. I have to take my street clothes off and put my cozy clothes on. Well, I like to take off my bra, but then I don't want to be flapping in the wind. And the older I get, the more that's just not comfortable for me. So I like to wear something with a shelf bra. I think, you know, God forbid the doorbell should ring. You don't want to traumatize the UPS man, right? Amen. Yeah. So there's there needs to be a little bit of support and a little bit of nipple coverage, right? I was looking year after year on Amazon looking for a nightgown or a pajama set that had a shelf bra in it. So I, I sew. So I just made one. And then I thought, wait... <laughs> I think other people might like this too. So then I got a pattern maker and I got a factory and all this stuff. And anyway, two years later, we're struggling through fulfilling our Kickstarter orders and then we'll have online inventory. (laughs) But you know, you go from being like, okay, I'm a doctor. I'm going to heal. I'm a healer. I'm a helper. I'm and family medicine wasn't even what I thought it would be. I feel like I could talk to you all day, but let's get back to, okay, tell me about the Benadryl. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Okay. So same chapter. I want to note real quick, though, you said that you've done all of these things, like chicken coop, dental assistant, (laughs) entrepreneur, loungewear. Like, women are so friggin' flexible. Like, we just do what needs to be done. When people look at me like, what? That people know me and I'm like, yeah, now I'm Scott's dental assistant. And they look at me like, are you bonkers? I'm like, I do what needs doing. That's exactly what I always say. Yes. You're right. It is a function of flexibility. You're so right. I had never thought about that from that angle, but you're so right. That's really interesting. Part of it is being a partner with someone because you came out of medical school, right? And I knew in order to be with my husband, I needed to move with him. You don't go to medical school, residency, a fellowship, get a job in the same place. Yeah. I was trying to get a job in the CIA when I was leaving graduate school and I was living in Texas. Wait, did you say CIA? Yes. So I was like in the second tier part of the interviews for the CIA and I gave up that. I gave up my PhD applications to do something I never, ever thought that I would do, which is give that up to go move to the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, to be with my husband while he was in residency. And 
that's why I ended up starting a business because I was like a super educated, skilled person. And in order to be with the person that I wanted to be with, I had to go where he was going. Yeah. And that ended up being Casper, Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. And what business did you open in Casper, Wyoming? So I just started consulting previously when I was in graduate school because graduate students, you know, we don't make any money. And uh-huh. I need to pay my bills. I started working in the Texas House of Representatives as a director of communication a job for which I was not qualified or prepared. Wow. Yeah. So I was writing speeches and briefs and didn't know what I was doing. That's incredible. Yeah. I was applying my persuasion research, basically writing political literature. That was really interesting, hard, scary job. And I loved it. But when I moved to Casper, I started doing consulting for the political parties there and just scratching an income out of nowhere. That's when I started Mm. working with small businesses and basically doing marketing consulting. And that's what now I teach marketing at the University of Montana because the same principles apply. Like I am an expert in the science of how to change people's minds Mm -hmm. and get them interested and engaged. And so yeah, Casper, Wyoming. Now it was my turn to choose where we were going to live and I chose Missoula. So I win. Oh, nice. Oh, isn't Missoula incredible? I love it. Okay. Tell me about the Benadryl story. This is my first semester teaching at the University of Montana, and I used to teach at a school in Texas. So I taught college students before, but it's hard to get back into teaching. Like It's such a big responsibility. And at this time, I was dealing with chronic mastitis. So I was in and out of the emergency room, and Eric works up to 100 hours a week the weeks he's on. So he's not around much. Wilder was six months old. And so those of you who are parents, especially with a baby who is premature, He's just not a good sleeper. He would sleep like four hours a night sometimes. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was just kind of on the struggle bus. And I had to take all these medications because my body never went back to normal after having preeclampsia. Like I have really, really high blood pressure. And so I have all these pills and I'm like not a detail oriented person. And so I was like (laughs) taking like the medications out of the lineup of medications I have on my counter. And I'm not like Eric, my husband, who's a doctor and like extremely detail oriented. So he bought me a med planner because he was concerned that I was not taking the right amount of medications. And I would just kind of like Yahtzee roll the dice and just kind of like shoot whatever medication like into the pill planner, whatever. And that is not what he had in mind when he bought you a pill box. He was horrified. So now since then, he actually fills out the pill planner because I started going to work and I would like be lecturing at the university in front of my class and like my eyelids would start to droop. And I was like, damn, this is really tired up in here. And like, what's going on? And I had like three cups of coffee. You're not supposed to do that when you're breastfeeding. Meanwhile, like my boobs were leaking into my shirt. Just a disaster. Yeah. You're like, wait, no wonder my kid's not sleeping. I have to stay awake from drinking all this coffee. And then he's wired and he's bouncing off the edges of his crib. It's it's such a disaster. Real problem. So... Finally, Eric found a bottle of Benadryl on our counter and he was like, You have been mega dosing yourself with Benadryl and going to work. <laughs> I'm so oh my gosh, that's so crazy. It, I'm so glad you didn't get in a car uh, accident or something. It's so scary. It's so bad. Then I felt so much better once he fixed that problem. <laughs> but Catherine was in my class. And I I don't even know how <laughs> Catherine and I are still friends because I was such a disaster <laughs> teaching. She's probably like, Who's this freak? How'd you get this job? <laughs> No, I'm a good teacher, but no, she speaks very highly of you. <laughs> so good. I don't know that was so. Yeah, threw me for a loop. Definitely glad Eric fills up my pill planner. Started feeling a lot better now that I'm I'm on the straight and narrow with my meds. I'm the type of person I'm super decisive. I fly by the seat of my pants. Like I'm a visionary, big picture person. I just go for stuff. 
And he's the opposite of me. Like he's really a planner, detail oriented, super methodical. And so we compliment each other in that way. I'm so glad he picked up on the fact that you should not be responsible for your own pill intake. <laughs> no, absolutely not. He was so, he was just like, I thought he was going to break down in tears. It was just so stressful oh. for him. He was like, you're like so, the 80 year old people who can't remember if they took their pills or not. And I was like, accurate. Definitely true. <laughs> the reason I said he was a saint though, is because Eric and I started dating. It, our relationship should not have worked out at all. His best friend was my research partner, introduced me to Eric. And I was like, oh, damn, this tattooed motorcycle riding medical student. Like, I'm into that. But we were just love it. friends in the beginning. And so during that time, I was studying communication and was reading research about involuntarily childless couples. And I had just never thought oh. about that before, like women who were infertile and what that does to a marriage and relationship. And it was like very abstract for me because I was single and didn't think I was going to have kids ever. So, but that inspired me to donate my eggs. Okay, insert record scratch sound effect here. I'm going to interrupt Micah because you heard her right. She decided to donate her eggs. And she has a first date story that is so incredible. And the story that's connected to this decision to donate her eggs, so interesting, but we don't have time for it in today's episode. So, as you may remember, this is the last episode of season three. We will be back January 4th with the first date compilation episode. However, Micah's first date story and the rest of her story about this particular part of her life will be coming out sometime between now and then. It's going to be a bonus episode. She has a couple other funny, embarrassing stories as well. And it is so, so good, you guys. I didn't want you to miss out on any of it. We're just going to make a whole nother episode about it. I don't know exactly when it'll be coming out, but sometime between today and January 4th, there will be a bonus Michael Larson episode. So make sure you click the subscribe button so you don't miss it. And then we'll see you next year in season four. Tell me about the time that you went to work with something really special stuck to the back of your shirt. Oh, gosh. Yeah, this is in the time where I was living in Texas. I was working at a private religious institution in the South and <laughs> living by myself and like working three jobs. And that was all great, but just kind of a mess as per usual. But I realized when I got home at the end of the day after teaching and going to class and working that I had a lace thong stuck to the back of my sweater <laughs> the whole day. And no, no one told me. Wow. So there's so many amazing things about that because (laughs) if you tried to have a lace thong stuck to the back of your sweater and have it stay there the whole day, you could never pull that off, right? It defies physics, right? It's like, no way. But those thongs get so staticky. I have to really be careful too when I do my laundry because those suckers stick everywhere. They but, truly do. And like the fibers were just like, we're going to F this bit up today. Uh, like, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then to have nobody say anything. So the optimist in me is like, well, then nobody noticed. <laughs> well. Yeah. I think it hey. was like fuchsia. So oh, <laughs> it's like a billboard. <laughs> okay. The next question is. If you came up to somebody who had a lace thong stuck to their back, 
My plan, I think, would be to just pull it off and stick it in her purse. Oh, without saying anything? No, I maybe would say something after, but just like, whoosh, whoosh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but what would you do? <laughs> I would like to think that I would just tap her on the shoulder and be like, hey, you just have something stuck to the back of your shirt. And like, yeah, peel it off. A smart to just put it in her purse for her. So like you kind of end the problem. And I think it's like uh-huh. the Texas thing. They were just like, oh, we'll just not embarrass her. And we'll just not make it our problem. You know, it would have been embarrassing in the moment, but... The knowledge of knowing it had been there all day was more painful than the momentary embarrassment of somebody helping you out. Yeah, for sure. But these days, like, it takes a lot more to embarrass me. Oh, yeah. I would have been like, well, I wonder how many people I gave a good laugh and a good story. This is fabulous. Yeah. It's really a public service. Yeah, exactly. Furthermore, if you ever want to do a favor, stick a fuchsia thong to the back of your sweater and just go to like six different stores. Yes. And actually would be a very interesting sociological experiment. It really would. And I think (laughs) that Target, my leggings had split. I was probably wearing the same thong. (laughs) Not great. (sighs) That thong needs to be ceremoniously burned. (laughs) For everyone's benefit. Like, not just mine, I think. That thing likes the light of day, man. (laughs) Maybe that's my problem. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given or you've ever given? Oh, man. Definitely have gotten a lot better advice than I have given. (laughs) What comes to mind is one of the professors at the university who I am so lucky to call my friend and mentor, Jackie Moore. She has always been another champion for me being a mother and sometimes like having to take my baby to work. And she has really counseled me with some of the difficulties I've had being a woman authority figure. And I will not do her justice by quoting her. So I'll just say that she's really said a lot of things that are in line with one of my favorite quotes from Gloria Steinem, which is that women like needing approval from other people, it's a cultural problem. And it's often a sign of doing the wrong thing. So we shouldn't always be trying to get approval. And sometimes you just have to be a rabble rouser. Or Jackie says, I take no prisoners. And I try to live by that and honor that. Believe it or not, listening to all of my stories here on this podcast, I have put my need for approval from other people ahead of my own needs. And here's the thing. If this cultural disease has affected even someone like you, who is very individualistic and super strong, super independent, super intelligent, then yeah, that we have a problem here. We have a problem we need to look hard upon, you know? Yes, agreed. Yeah, I love it. Where can the listeners find you? Oh, Instagram's where I live and connect with people that I love. I found such an incredible community on Instagram. My handle is at Micah Larson, and that's M-I-C-A-H-L-A-R-S-E-N underscore. And my website is MicahLarson.com. But I'm always up in my Instagram stories. That's where I really love to showcase and highlight women makers who inspire me. Oh my gosh, Micah. This has been so much fun. You've made me laugh so hard (laughs) and you've said so many things that made me think and you're so unique and those things are like gems to me. I love them all and I love the combination of them especially. So thank you so much for being with me. Oh, thank you, Joanne. You're the most fun and I'm honored. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Fancy Free Podcast. Wasn't Micah amazing? She is 
so unique and so funny and such a descriptive storyteller. So much fun. Make sure that you check out the show notes at fancyfreepodcast.com slash episode 81 to get all the links that we discussed today so that you can learn more about Micah. I will also link to her blog article that she wrote about spraying Target with breast milk, the podcast's Hidden Brain and Invisibilia, and the blog article that I wrote regarding the Tunnel Vision episode of Hidden Brain. If you have an embarrassing story that you'd like to be considered for the new segment, Listener Stories, record a voice memo and email it to me at notfancy at fancyfreepodcast.com or just go to fancyfreepodcast.com, push the red button and record something. It'll be so much fun. You'll be glad you did it. Maybe it'll even be therapeutic. You never know. If you want more connection, laughter and sharing, join us in the Fancy Free Facebook group. It's our private slice of the internet. We have a lot of fun over there. The question of the week this week in honor of Christmas and New Year's, is what is your funniest holiday-related story? Have a wonderful week, a wonderful holidays, and remember, no one is as fancy as they look. Bye.